You're listening to the DGD Podcast. Sponsored by La Touraine. Here's your hosts, Robert Reynolds and Juan Daniels. Welcome to this episode of the DGD Podcast. As always, the NCDGD, Robert Reynolds, joined by Juan Daniels as well. And look, we've got two Oregon guys here. We're, we're bringing in the enemy. We're going to get to understand Oregon. Uh, look, we've got Reed and Charlie, which I think Reed, Juan just left us. So we'll be back when Juan pops in. Uh, nonetheless, though, the sh- today's show is brought to you by La Terrain. Uh, use code DGD at checkout to get 10% off of your purchase. That is site-wide. With that being said, Reed, Charlie, welcome. I will let each of you introduce yourselves for the, the audience, per se. Uh, we'll let Charlie go first and then Reed. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm Charlie. Uh, Reed and I have been doing the Quacked Out podcast for, what, dude, like two years now? Something like yeah, that? Yeah, just about, yeah. Um, I go to U of O. I'm a senior. Uh, I was born and raised in Oregon, lifelong Oregon fan. Uh, we both write for Scoop Duck, the on three Oregon site. Um, and yeah, we're really excited to be here. And I also have a UGA connection, too. I actually went to UGA, UGA for uh, a semester. Um, so I'm a little bit familiar with Athens and everything. Still got to get out to a game, though. But uh, yeah. Fair enough. <clears throat> Reed? I'll let you take it over, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm also born and raised in uh, Portland, a uh, lifelong Ducks fan. Like Charlie said, both we've been doing this podcast for, for about two years and then uh, writing for the the On3 site that Oregon has, uh, which I encourage encourage uh, Georgia fans to go check out. It's it's a really great hub for Ducks stuff. Um, and yeah, I'm currently, uh, I attend Tulane University down in New Orleans, so uh, I've got a little connection in the South too, and and have enjoyed getting to know the football culture down here also. Oh, I think your mic's disconnected, Robert. Yeah, I can't hear you, Robert. There we go. There we go, guys. Yeah, Welcome to technical difficulties. It's 2022. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so look, we've got some Louisiana ties. We've got some uh, some Oregon on the West Coast. You know, look, I'm just saying right here. You know, obviously, look at what Oregon's done. Uh, recently, and we're going to talk a little bit about Oregon here in just a second. Uh, you know, looking at the going through a cult, uh, coaching change, right? There's a big deal going mm-hmm. on right now. So, what is Oregon going to be? And I feel like, from a Georgia fan, look, we play September 3rd. So, if you're listening and you're not aware and you've been hiding under a rock, I'm telling you've heard it here, right? You're, we're playing September 3rd this year to open up the season in Atlanta, which we'll talk about more too. That being said, obviously, you know, crystal ball during the offseason goes. You know, Cristobal goes and goes back to Miami. And then that leaves y'all head coach. You know, then you get Lanning. What were y'all's thoughts when you picked up Dan Lanning? Uh, I can go first. I think the the important thing to know about Oregon is that our coaching staff was, you know, how we built this program was with this family coaching staff that had continuity basically for 30 years from the 80s all the way through 2015. Then we lose Helfrich and we step into the unknown. We go with Taggart. He leaves us after one year. And then we had Mario leave us after four years. So I think there was a lot of worry from the Ducks fans about, you know, how do we get someone who doesn't have ties to the program and how long are they going to stay here when they come? Um, but so, so there's a lot of fear when Cristobal first left. But I think that, the starting 
of the landing era has been really positive for Ducks fans for sure. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people were just relieved um, when we got landing. There was a lot of drama, and I know Reed was kind of, you know, it's hard to directly address this, but, I mean, there was a really big and really impactful and important rumor surrounding the Oregon head coaching search um, that we were going after a guy like Chip Kelly, you know, a guy who's been here before, had success here before, but hasn't really succeeded at UCLA. Not really the type of profile like you're looking for for a top guy. Same goes for Josh Wilcox, and you might not even know who that is, and I wouldn't blame you. He's the head coach at Cal. Um, has been there for quite a while now. Great defensive mind, great coach, but, again, hasn't had success at Cal. How is he going to cut it at a big program like Oregon? The rumors are that Wilcox turned down the Oregon job. Um, so a lot of Oregon fans really – we have trouble kind of dealing with those, those two things. So at the end of the day, I mean – to get a guy like Landing, who's obviously one of the best coordinators in the country and was leading one of the best defenses of all time, I mean, I was hyped for it. Uh, again, just kind of having somebody be our head coach was enough for me at this point. <laughs> and the fact that we got somebody I could actually be confident in uh, was another step in the right direction. So the Cal head coach reportedly turned Oregon job down? Yeah. Yeah, that's the report. What in what in the blue hell made that decision? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Like, it, my thing is, if if I'm the Cal head coach, unless I legitimately just love Cal, Oregon's a way better step up for me. <laughs> like, just based mm -hmm. off of you know, you look at production, you look at recruiting, right? I know Cal is in California, and California seems to be a hot spot. But let's be honest, no elite recruit outside of what Deshaun back, you know. This is this ain't the this ain't the Marshawn Lynch. This ain't the Deshaun Jackson days. Nobody wants to go to Cal that's that has you know that's an elite talent. So Oregon, you're automatically going to get that you know name recognition, brand recognition. Everybody knows Phil Knight and Nike. Like that just no brainer. So the fact that I just heard that is just mind boggling <laughs> to me. <laughs> it, it really yeah, it's is very odd. Yeah, I mean, there's been some theories like. We, we've thrown out a theory that, like, maybe Oregon just lowballed him because there was this other issue, I guess you would say, where um, a bunch of former Oregon players, Reed was talking about this continuity they had on the staff for a long time. These former Oregon players uh, get together, about 13, 14 of them. They draft this letter to the athletic department and the AD, uh, and it basically says, like, hey, you know, we need to bring back some, like, true Oregon uh, cultural aspects to this program. Like we don't, we're a program, we're not a stepping stone program. You know, we need to like bring in some more organ flavor to this thing. And uh, indirectly or not, um, a lot of those people were calling for Wilcox to get the head coach. He is an Oregon alum. He played at Oregon on a Rose Bowl team. Very important in terms of the history of the program. But overall, still people are like, really is this really the guy we want taking over this this recruiting behemoth that that mario's just built um so yeah it was it was a really odd time um and we still really don't know <laughs> exactly how yeah. this played out <laughs> yeah i would just quickly plug um i did an interview with joey harrington who was the oregon quarterback in in 2001 he was a heisman finalist um that's episode 67 on our quacked out podcast feed uh, if, if Georgia fans want to know about kind of the identity of the Oregon program and what makes this program unique, uh, I would really 
uh, highly recommend that podcast. Joey, Joey has a lot of insight about this program, so it's a good listen. You know, Juan, I'm going to let you speak a little bit about this. What, so, you know, from, from our standpoint, <clears throat> when, when Lanning goes, what were your thoughts? Um, well, 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 first of all, um, if you actually look at the, the, the dynamic of, of college football for the last couple of years, the, the, the teams that really, really dominate are those that, um, you know, have great defenses. And so you take a, 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 a landing who, you know, had probably the best defense in the nation, hands down. Um, but you go back, uh, Kirby Smart, a defensive guy, Nick Saban, a defensive guy. You take a look at um, Venables, a huge defensive guy. The reason that that, that, that Clemson won it. So I, I, I thought right then, man, that that's going to be tough. And then coming out and playing Oregon that first game, Lanning knows how to stop Georgia. Um, Alabama had the recipe that first in the SEC championship, but you can best believe that Lanning knows how to stop Georgia. He knows the ins and outs. He knows how to defend um the, that running game he knows how to defend uh that 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 passing game so for him to go out there also to be a great recruiter like he is who wouldn't want to play for Lanning and then of course if you look at 24-7 sports uh Oregon has the top facility in the nation I mean it, 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 it's beautiful it's it's amazing so you get a great a great coach in Lanning great uh, uh recruiter and then you go to Oregon and Oregon is rich in history I mean, if, if you really, really think about it, even going back to when they had an opportunity to, to play Auburn in that in that national championship. I mean, that that really just kind of put them on the map. And, and they have, um, you know, you know, from a recruiting standpoint from, uh, hey, I want to go to Oregon type thing. You know, my, my son, who is going to Stanford, would have loved to have gotten an opportunity to go play at Oregon. Heck, he was just wanting to go just for the uniforms, you know, by, by itself. <laughs> Um, let alone anything. But when I knew that Lanning was going, and of course he's, he was a hot commodity, I was thinking to myself, wow, he's going to go out there and, and, and pretty much change the Pac-12 um, and, and, and how things are going. Because I, I don't necessarily think the Pac-12 has always been known for defense um, and, and, and then having those recruits and whatever. He, you know, he's going to do some great things with Cristobal's group that, um, that, that he recruited in there. So um, I was like, wow, that, that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough. Real quick, I have a question for you guys, actually. Um, I'm wondering, like, was Lanning considered for any other, like, jobs around the country? Because I not, wasn't really hearing his name on the job mill until he yeah, not Yeah, not, not that I know of. Um, I, I hadn't really heard um, anything. But, again, once you have that top defense in the nation, it was almost as if he could just go wherever he wanted to and, that, and you know, with that coaching carousel. But I, I do think that – um, you know, Oregon was probably his top choice, even if he did um, have some. But I, I agree with you guys when you just talk about that whole family thing, because if you look at Georgia, Georgia has Georgia guys coaching at Georgia. So you've got Kirby Smart, who is a diehard Georgia guy. He's home. And then he's bringing mm -hmm. other guys that are just home guys. And so, you know, when you just talk about you know, with, with that interview for with Joey, Her uh, Joey Harrington, I'm excited to to, to go back and listen to it. But when you've got guys that have, that have been to Oregon um, and, and they coach there, they've played there, you know that it's going to be that hometown feel and they're going to be all in 100%. And that's how Georgia is this year. They are 100% all in. And so you don't have to worry about Kirby looking elsewhere uh, to, to go coach anywhere else.
Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, but unfortunately, I would also say, you know, Oregon doesn't have the same tradition of a coaching tree that Georgia has. I mean, there there isn't a Kirby Smart that is an Oregon alum, you know, that's a top whatever, top five at least head coach in college football um, that went to Oregon, you know. So, right. yeah, it's a tough push and pull because you want people who understand the program, who are motivated to work hard for it. But at the same time, you can't you can't compromise and get a, you know, lower tier head coach if you want to compete nationally. So that was a push and pull during the whole coaching cycle for, for Ducks fans. Um, and I think we're all really happy that it ended up with Lanning, even though behind the scenes and the offer to the Cal coach, we were a little worried about uh, ultimately how it shook out. We were really excited with. I'll, I will say this with, you know, when Lanning left, right. I think Georgia fans knew it was coming. And last year we thought that it would be, you know, his time. Nothing really materialized. And, you know, I think the only one that I'm aware of was Kansas job, right? Nobody wants the Kansas job. Like you, <laughs> you have to be a brave soul to take the Kansas job. Except for the fighting man Genos, right? <laughs> oh my! Look, look! I'll, I'll tell you what. Beating Texas guys—that that right there is going to bring some recruits in. I'm just saying. But nonetheless, look. So obviously, I would. I, I can't blame him for not taking, you know, taking the Kansas job when when you're at a premier university and you're the defensive coordinator on, you know, on one of the best defenses arguably in the country. So at the time, you know, we're like, all right, awesome, another year. Let's run it back, run it back win our national title. Next thing you know, this year is the coaching carousel of doom for everybody, started by Lincoln <laughs> Riley out West, right. which mm-hmm. we'll talk a little bit about here because, you know, Oregon plays USC. Not this year, but I think, you, you know, you could see them in the uh, Pac-12 championship. So, obviously, that coaching carousel starts. And then Cristobal, in my opinion, look, the way Miami handled the Cristobal situation was shady as shit. Like, I'm just being honest. Um, but nonetheless, what happens, happens. I'm it is what it is, you know. So, you know, Cristobal goes home, and then you know, obviously, y'all when y'all pick up Landon, I'm you know, I'm happy for him. I, I really am. Uh, you know, kind of looking at the same situation as as Kirby, really, if you think about it. Uh, Kirby has a you know DC job at Alabama, comes head coach, you know, at, at uh, Georgia. The rest is history, right, guys? Thing about it is, when when I'm looking at it, you you give Dan Lanning. And I would say I'd say a top tier program. I don't know about like, you know, the upper echelon, like your Georgia's and Bama's, but you're right there. You get that's a great first head coaching job to get, especially that's a resume booster if I've ever seen one. So for me, I'm extremely happy for Dan Lanning and I know what he can do. And there's two guys on your roster right now that I know are going to benefit from having him as your head coach. And those two guys We've recruited them and almost had them, uh, Justin Flo and Noah Sewell. Those two mm-hmm. guys right there, when we play September 3rd, I'm nervous for those guys because those guys are good as hell anyway. When you get Lanning that has a track record for putting guys in the NFL, especially at linebackers, watch out. Watch out. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, we've been we've been gassing up those names for the last two years now. Unfortunately, Flo has had to deal with some injuries and hasn't really seen the field at all, essentially. But I mean, Sewell's a monster, man. Like even in that 2020 season for us, it was super shortened for you guys. It was a little bit shortened. I mean, he was just flying. He was everywhere. The man was an animal. 
Um, and he still is. I mean, you guys, I'm sure, saw enough of the Ohio State game and whatnot. Um, whatever other Oregon stuff you you can catch throughout the year before it's you know past your bedtime. I understand how it gets. <laughs> well, um, we, we're some old folks, so you know. Yeah. Bedtime, yeah. Look, we, we were struggling when we won the national championship. Juan knows the story. <laughs> I, right, I took a nap before that. I took a nap that day. So. Look, <laughs> I went into work the next day and I drank six cups of coffee. I was that tired, <laughs> but I was wired from the win. I'm not gonna lie. But look, and, and, and to me, that look, I, I like watching Oregon football when when I'm able to see them. You you know, the thing about being on the East Coast is the time zone difference, right? Your prime time is our bedtime. So yep. a lot of so a lot of Georgia fans and, and a lot of folks don't really watch Pac-12 football because of this is a time zone. Now there's sometimes when it's a Saturday and I'm sitting up till one o'clock watching football. Fine. But at the same time, you know, th- that's this is why I love having guys on because we're, we're starting to understand what Oregon is about because we don't get to watch them that much. So, mm-hmm. you know, and when you do, it's I mean, when you do watch those those Pac-12 after dark games, you know, I mean, <laughs> it <laughs> it's hard to keep track of what's going on a lot of the time. Um, it's it's these games are notorious for just being and this conference is notorious for being just as chaotic as possible. Um, I mean. <laughs> I'll, I'll, the only way I'll put it is like Bo Nix is built for this. I, yeah. <laughs> that's why I'm not that worried. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no. But it's funny because again, you you have Stanford that'll go and, and uh, upset a number five Oregon team, and then they go on a seven game losing streak, and then like mm-hmm. it's not just a seven game losing streak. I mean, they're getting blown out by yeah. by, mm-hmm. by, by by all of these teams. But um, what, what one thing I love about Lanning being there um, and, and, and really and even, um, you know, when you look at uh, uh, at USC is you've got coaches now that are going to make the, uh, the Pac-12 relevant. I mean, it hasn't really been, uh, you know, since the what was it USC national championship and when they just completely dominated college football and you had your, you know, had some chances Oregon playing in the in the national championship. What it was it twice um, when they mm-hmm. played Ohio State, you know, and they also played Auburn. But now, you know, you're going to have that 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 steady, um, you know, competition to make the Pac-12 big time again um, because the Pac-12 has been down. Um, and, and I know Robert said something, you know, in regards to it being a stepping stone. But I, I, I don't look at it as a stepping stone. I, I think Landing is going to be there for a while, and he has an intention on making Oregon great. And then once he gets to that point, and then it's you know, if, if they become a machine. Look out, because I mean, he's going to continue to get those defensive guys in there, and then of course, then you know, who, who's y'all's offensive coordinator? I don't know. Dillingham. Um, it's yeah, Kenny Dillingham, who um, they know from under. They worked under Norvell at Memphis, and okay. Dillingham's basically Norvell's right hand man. He brought Dillingham over to Florida State when he got that job, um, but Landing has that connection with him way back, and so he was the guy that he wanted to to run the offense. Okay, is it is it a high powered? Was he a high powered offensive guy? Built um, on explosive plays, yeah. It's not like yeah. every down going crazy, but um, yeah, yeah. It's it's mainly ba- based on a, creating explosive plays and mismatches. And he also okay. coached Nick's during Nick's freshman season at Auburn. Yeah, so there's the connection right. there. And you're right, Nick Nick's is a wild card. I really do believe <laughs> that if Nick's played against Alabama, Auburn wins that game. Um, I, I really do. Um, you just, you, you know, you un- unfortunately had a TJ Finley that's, he's basically a statue. Um, and he was he hurt too, the ball down the too. field, but he's not, he's not running anywhere. <laughs> he's, right. he's, he's just not, um, 
but yeah, so you you, you know, Bo, Bo Nix is a he's a competitor. He's got fire. Um, you just never know what you're going to get. <laughs> the crazy thing about it too, like you know, looking at Nix and and Nix hasn't had the best track record for George with Georgia. But when you take him out of the SEC, and honestly, I think, you know, the offensive line at Auburn, which looked that fire, that dumpster fire of a program, put him in Oregon. <laughs> I think you're going to see a better, you're going to see a better protection. You're going to, he, he's not going to have to do the stupid, crazy type plays, you know, just to stay alive. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's going to be interesting. But, you know, you also, you know, it's going to be interesting to see like your quarterback, you know, because right now I think with spring camp looming, right, we just don't know. It, it could be assumed that he has an upper hand, but we just don't know. You know, obviously Robbie Ashford uh, leaving uh, kind of stings a little bit. Um, that was a name that I was looking at Georgia, but I think we just had Gunner in our hands and just kind of, or Brock in that point. So, <clears throat> but now Robbie's a good quarterback, and and him leaving kind of stings. But I think you you replace that with Bo, and it's just like, okay, Bo has his ups and his downs, just like about anybody. But you know how will he fit in uh, Dillingham's system, right? I think that's the question. You know, and honestly, you know, looking at the offense, right? Because we know Lanning, Lanning's going to have his hands on the defense. I'm not worried about the defense in regards to what it's going to look like. I'm more worried about the offense because I just don't know, you know? Because I know <clears throat> with running backs, you got Jordan James, which obviously recruiting y'all flip from Georgia on signing day, mm -hmm. uh, which is a really good running back. And luckily Georgia was able to replace him. Um, Nonetheless, though, you know, I know what Jordan's about, and he, he's a, he's going to be really good in the Pac-12, has the potential to be. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. I think my main concern is what the offense is going to look like when we play September 3rd, right? Because obviously everybody's staying healthy, things like this. That's going to play a part. But, you know, all things staying equal currently, right, it's going to be quite interesting to see. I think Bo Nix would have a, a better shot at staying upright and making better plays. If he's, you know, he's not running for his life like he was at Auburn. Juan, you know Auburn to hell with him. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, so, so I mean, Patrick, Patrick asked real quick. He's like, Oregon guys, what do you think Nick's has been his uh, biggest benefit will be uh, for you guys? Well, I would say, I mean, we just went through a season uh, with Anthony Brown as at quarterback, and there was a lot of debate uh, and just a lot of Oregon fans were upset with his level of play, I think. Uh, and so Bonix raises the floor of the quarterback room immediately. Uh, I don't think it's his job 100%. You look at what Dillingham did at Florida State. Um, he took Jordan Travis, who was a guy who was in the program, and played him over the transfer that Florida State brought in. And we have two quarterbacks in the program who are high four stars, five star guys. So I don't think it's, you know, a lock that Bonix is the quarterback, but if he's that guy, um, I think, you know, he has improvisation skills for sure. Uh, he can throw a better ball than Anthony Brown. He can, and he's just a good leader too. Um, he's a great locker room guy from all accounts. You know, how he handled the situation with Finley um, at Auburn, I think was, was pretty impressive. So I'm excited if he comes in and he does get the job. Um but, you know, ultimately, it's kind of a, a holdover quarterback probably for a year until we can get someone that we develop an in-program guy in there um, after that, too. Yeah, I mean, you also look at what Oregon's about to be trying to do for the 23 class, right? The 2022 class just signed, uh, finished up, <clears throat> and there's a 
kid, quarterback Nico. I don't, I'm not butchering his last name. Yeah. Oh, I'm not California. Either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, like for, for, for his respect, right? For respect of the kid, I'm not butchering that last name because it is, it's a hard one to say. But Nico, keep in mind, Nico, the quarterback out of California, five star quarterback, and, and Oregon has a really good shot at landing him. Uh, you know, the mm-hmm. potential to play out in the SEC, you look, California, Bama, Georgia has had success pulling those out with USC being down. It's going to be interesting yep. to see how Lincoln handles, you know, recruiting the state, right? Um, he's actually on a, for 23 class. He's on a well, he's well on his way to kind of securing that elite talent, but nonetheless, you know, Nico has a good chance to leave in the state. So I think honestly, he might actually go to Oregon, um, depending That's on how I think. Well, yeah, I know definitely for y'all, cause the kid's a good talent. If you watch him, uh, definitely watch his tape. You'll see what I'm talking about from a junior highlights. Um, but with that being said though, you look at, you look at what Oregon's about, Right. And let's be honest, when it, when it comes to recruiting, Dan Lanning, you know, he, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of footprint he has because he has the SEC ties, right? He's got SEC mm-hmm. ties. He's got Midwest ties. How how does that play, right? Can he go nationally? You know, I think, you know, looking yeah. at maybe – correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but Oregon has kind of been known to kind of get maybe one or two guys out of, like, Florida, things like that, but they focused mm-hmm. in picking and rating California – Utah's become a hot spot, and then obviously Seattle area pulling from those Huskies. You know who I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> equal, yeah, exactly, right? Juan knows. Uh, but now, look, so my question to you guys is this. What what are your thoughts on, from a recruiting standpoint, what Landing will bring to the Oregon program? You know, my thoughts are he can bring it nationally. But what, what are your expectations? What are your thoughts on that, I guess? Yeah, I'm, I'm a big recruiting guy, so I can touch on this. Um, I love to talk about it. I think there's a little bit of a misconception about how much Oregon raids Southern California, uh, because really what happened was the 2019 class, uh, Mario's full, first full class, Oregon lived in Southern California. They got Kayvon from there. They got this guy, Mace Buna, from there. Uh, Mikhail Wright, who's another really good player. Um, but then Oregon lost uh, their quarterback cornerback coach to Southern California. His name's Dante Williams. Uh, and he basically has the key to LA people say he's the best recruiter in Southern California. Um, so Oregon had to pivot a bit. Uh, and we saw in their 2021 class, they pivot to some States like Utah, Arizona, Washington. Um, they also in California focused a little more on Northern California um and then san diego is kind of a pipeline because san diego has some tension with la and some of those kids like to go out of the state um but also you know nationally oregon gets guys from baltimore they get guys from nebraska uh it's a program that has a really good footprint uh texas was a big priority in this last class uh it didn't materialize in the end but oregon uh got a commitment from kelvin banks in the summer a five-star offensive tackle. Um, that was probably the biggest national commitment Oregon's ever landed. Uh, and with Cristobal moving on and being an offensive line guy, he ended up staying home and going to Texas. Um, but Oregon has, you know, a national reach in terms of its brand. Absolutely. I think that there isn't a limit on where you can go. Um, and especially, you know, when you want to recruit the trenches, you're going to have to get out of the Pac-12 footprint a bit. Uh, you can load up on receivers and cornerbacks in California and get really good ones. But if you want to get, you know, the big guys that control games, you're going to have to get out of the West Coast footprint a bit. And that's that's a lesson we learned under Mario, too. Right. I mean, you look at guys mm-hmm. like Jordan Scott was a, you know, 
four-year starter, basically, at nose tackle for us, three-star out of Florida. You know, but his body was so huge. I mean, that's just a guy you don't see in the Pac-12. Brandon Dorless, another example, one of our current uh, defensive tackles. He's he's an amazing player, another three-star out of Florida. Like, uh, again, that's a lesson we learned under Mario. Like, with Taggart a little bit, but with only one season, like, we didn't even really get a full class with him or anything. Um, but Mario showed us that, yeah, we don't have to just rely on California for talent. We can go out and get guys from, again, whether it's Florida, you know, down in the south, out in the – we haven't really recruited the Midwest. But, I mean, out east, on the east coast, we got guys coming from New York, yeah. like Seven McGee, all over the map. Um, yeah. But I will say one thing on, like, the California comment. Like, I mean, when you talk about guys leaving, like, leaving in-state – that holds a lot more weight down south when there's, you know, strict regional tie, regionality is a much bigger issue. You know, like states are more, well, there's more states that care about football down in the south. Oregon's essentially California. A lot of people even call Oregon like UC Eugene, like University of California Eugene, because there's, there's a lot of Californians here just in the student body. And I mean, in general, a lot of Californians move here. So it's not as big a deal, I would say, for like, even say like a guy from uh, I don't know like North Carolina coming down to Florida or vice versa, right? Uh, it's definitely not even that big of a jump from from California to Oregon for a lot of these guys. Interesting to know because I think you know one you know how this goes like especially like in states like Georgia, Florida, Louisiana, like staying home is massive, right? Like so it, it's interesting to see how kind of look at the South. I, I don't even know if you want to consider it the East Coast because like up north, you kind of see guys from like Pennsylvania going to Michigan or Ohio, things like that, right? But definitely in the south, you oh, you froze a little bit again, but I think I understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, the the, uh, the guys like it's just it's just wild how that works. Uh, look, so, uh, obviously Patrick says so. If Landing wins a, a, a chip with the uh, with the Ducks. Do we get to say built by Georgia like the low tide is doing with Kirby? <laughs> <laughs> That's more for one. <laughs> right, yeah. But you, you know what's funny, though, is um, – well, it's not funny, but Lanning has basically opened up um, re- re- recruiting nationwide for Oregon. And so now Lanning has, 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 has experienced the, the the southern recruits. He's Like you said, he's got ties in the Midwest. Now he's going to go and, and, and start recruiting the Californians and, and, and then the Washingtons. But – you know, what What kid would not want to go play for a coach that, you know, has just won a national championship? And and I don't care how you look at it. The defense won that national championship. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. I mean, there is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And then, of course, you know, with Jamison Williams going down, I already knew, hey, it's 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 lights out. All Georgia has to do is just score one more time, and, and, and that's going to be it. Um, but – uh, again, if, if, if I'm a kid, I'm a, especially if I'm a defensive guy, yeah, I, I want to be a part of something. Everybody's going to want to be that that first recruiting class. And so, you know, you look at, um, you know, uh, Saban, when he first started at Alabama, they said since, what is it, I think since 2007, every single recruit that he's had has won a national championship at some point in time in their, in their years. That's crazy. But think about that first recruiting class that could say, yeah, man, we started that whole thing that 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 took place. Why would you not want to be a part of something like that with a national championship defensive coach? I mean, and, 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 and you know, he, he's he's opened that up. There's going to be guys now that probably did not consider Oregon, not even consider the West Coast that are now going to be like, man, yeah, 
I want to go out there and play. And then another thing too for Lanning, he's just going to say, hey, listen, just come out and see the facilities, man. Go and compare. Again, 24-7 says it's the number one. Just come out here and just take a look. You don't have to, you know, you may not even be interested. I can guarantee when they leave, they're going to leave with a different type of uh, uh, perspective when it actually comes to Oregon. And again, to, to, to landing in his coaching style. Definitely. And that, that's always been our thing at Oregon is like having the nicest stuff. Uh, we didn't have the rich history, you know, we didn't, I mean, <laughs> and I can tell you like our lifetimes. So we were both born in 2000. Like that is pretty much the, I mean, all, almost all of Oregon's success has happened within our lifetimes. Um, yeah. And for recruiting purposes, that's great. But, you know, it doesn't exactly fill the trophy cabinet. Um, right. So we had to find other <laughs> ways to get guys to come here. Um, Phil Knight, obviously, is the the main reason behind that. And, I mean, his, his money has pretty much taken us to where we are now. Um, but that was always our thing, man. We had to lean on facilities. We had to lean on the uniforms and the flashy offense. And, well, I guess the offense just kind of helped. Um, but the success really is is all in the past, like, 20 years. So I want to ask you one question, but obviously, before we'll wrap things up, and then we'll stick around for a Q&A if you'd like us. Uh, my question to you, September 3rd in Atlanta, big game, right? You know, you look at uh, Patrick said earlier, uh, teacher versus student, really. Um you know, so what are your what are your expectations with that game? You don't have to give me a score prediction. Just kind of like, you know, what what are your expectations for what you want to see Oregon do uh, come September third? You want to start, Charlie? Yeah, sure. Um, I don't want to get killed. <laughs> That's. <laughs> I have a very similar attitude to this game as I did with the Ohio State game last year. And yeah, sure, we ended up winning that, but I mean, we were anywhere from like 14 to 17 point underdogs is when that game finally did kick off. Um, I have a hard time. And again, same with the Ohio state game, Oregon's biggest issues were in the secondary. We all know where Ohio state's um, talent lied on in that team. I was scared for my life for that game. Um, if I'm being realistic, like right now, I don't really see a path to Oregon. Like, winning this I, I can't see a realistic path to me saying like Oregon will win because of this you know it's just gonna have to be like some facet of the team is gonna have to step up and outperform my expectations in Columbus it was the secondary and the quarterback play to be honest um and really the, the offensive line really every position group now I'm about it, but <laughs> yeah we needed everyone I mean We're good. it's gonna be all hands on traveling too. yeah especially yeah, traveling to the shoe yeah yeah that, and that, that was a big I mean, deal overlooked part of it that was a 9 a.m game for those guys i mean yeah sure it was noon for everybody else but i mean for the talk about body clocks and stuff like that like they were travel across the country and you got to wake up and play a high level football game at 9 a.m i could barely get up in time for the game uh, <laughs> to watch it on tv you've but... got kids you're up <laughs> well, yeah um but yeah, so Rita, I'm interested to see what you think too, because I haven't really even started digging into position battles and stuff like that. But just in general, I mean, you go up against a team with the caliber of talent Georgia has across the board. Like, sure, I know you got a lot of guys leaving, but it's <laughs> it's a lot easier to replace that talent when you're recruiting at a Saban-like level every season. 
Yeah, I think um, it's there's definitely a lot of comparisons to the Ohio State game uh, because we went through that the same process for for the whole offseason, you know, wondering how we could compete there. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it, it's a little different. I think I was especially scared versus Ohio State because of their offense. Uh, they're a team that if you don't show up, they're going to beat you by, you know, 50 probably. Um, and I think Georgia having, you know, a little bit more conservative style with Kirby. Um, and, you know, I think that even if we get dominated, hopefully it still stays within, you know, 20 or 30 points. Um, but I think, I also think, you know, Oregon has a chance here. Uh, they got a bunch of guys who want to compete. I mean, you talk about a guy like Noah Sewell. That was a great battle uh, that Oregon had against Georgia for him on the recruiting trail, and Oregon won that one. Uh, same with Dante Manning as a cornerback uh, who who y'all might remember recruiting well. Um, yeah, so in terms of the styles, I mean, Georgia just won a national title, right? So it's a pretty tough game for us, but – uh, I think you hope that Oregon can kind of air it out. Uh, I think if Georgia does have a, a, a weakness on their team, or at least last year on their defense, uh, the secondary at times was was the place. Um, and so we got some young receivers who are talented coming in. Uh, you kind of hope that you can follow that game plan. But, I mean, ultimately, it's going to be a test in the trenches, really. Uh, I think you're going to see early on, can Oregon get a push or not, you know? And <laughs> If they're cons- if Georgia's consistently knocking us back a yard or two on the line of scrimmage, it's going to be a long day, right? And I'm glad you brought that up, Reed, real quick. Sorry, uh, that's some that's a lesson we learned from Ohio State game. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, coming up under Chip Kelly, like yeah, sure, Oregon had some insanely good teams, but we couldn't really compete in the trenches trenches with SEC teams. Got blown out by LSU in 2011, uh, yeah. and then that Auburn game, the game before, you know. Nick Fairley kind of took us to lunch. Um, Nick Fairley took a lot of people to lunch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But especially Pac-12 offensive linemen. Again, though, that's something we got better at under Crystal Balls. We were able – I mean, you look back at the tape of that that game in Columbus, and I know we keep referencing it, but it's just too perfect of a metaphor against this Georgia game. Um, Oregon did compete in the trenches. And, I mean, yeah, sure, that's, <laughs> that's a big-time program that you're going up against. Those are big-time players, you know, like – Paris Johnson, that entire Haskell Garrett defensive line, everybody, like, those guys were real. And the fact that Oregon was able to push them around, not at will, but, I mean, we never trailed in that game. You know, we kind of controlled it. Um, That showed us a lot, and it showed the rest of the country that, like, hey, it is possible for a Pac-12 program to get these bodies and to get these guys ready for this type of game in the trenches. One. I want to I want to hear what you have to say. What do you think Georgia has to do to win this game? Obviously, like I said, we'll we'll stick with the we'll let we'll let the brigade deal with the score predictions. But what are your what are your expectations for Georgia to come in uh, riding off that natty? Well, well, first and foremost, <clears throat> this is kind of similarly eerie um, to to our first podcast last year when we were talking about Clemson. What I don't love is giving Lanning all these months to prepare. And that was my issue with Venables. Venables had so much time, even though I think athletically we were much better than Clemson. It was a struggle. And of course, it was just a defensive. And, and But that was all Venables. All Venables, he had all that time. And so now you've got Lanning that's got all of this time. It's not like they have a game, a tough game before, and then they're going to play us next time. I mean, it is going to be, I, I think it's going to be the same type of situation next year. Um 
Venables will is, you know, he's not going to get blown out. He's going to have a defensive plan ready. It's just going to be a matter of those guys executing. I, I think that um, what, what Georgia will have to do is just keep pounding um, and then give themselves an opportunity to win it in the fourth quarter or, um, like Tripp said, just kind of win the turnover battle um, and, and just give us some great field position. But, um, you know, landing scares me, just like Venables. And sure enough, that was a, it was a 10-3 to 3 game. I mean, it was awful. <laughs> offensively, offensively, it was terrible. Offensively, yeah. it, it was terrible. So, and, and I would expect the same thing. I would expect the same thing this year is offensively, we're not going to do be able to do all the things that we want to do. Um, we're just going to have to just, you know, come up with some plays and make some plays um, versus Lanning. Yeah, Lanning, in my opinion, Juan, Lanning being under Kirby for so long, he knows the offense. He knows that, look, they went up against him every single day. It's going to be a chess match. We thought Clemson and, and uh, you know, Clemson game, we thought the Bama game was going to be a chess match. Oregon game is going to be just the same. I think the question is, can Oregon stop Georgia's blueprint? Because I think that Georgia's going to try to do the same thing that we did last year. Can Oregon stop it? Do they have the, do they have the depth is the key there. I know they've got bodies. I know they've got talent. But do they have the depth to, to ride the storm? Because Georgia can go, they wear you down, and by the fourth quarter when you're gassed, Georgia's still fresh. That's the key. And can can Lanning get these guys ready? Do they have the depth, the talent and the depth to stop Georgia? Because in the fourth quarter, we saw this, we saw this with Clemson. We saw this with Bama in the national title game from start to finish. In the fourth quarter, the, the offensive line just mauled people. Even even some of the best defensive lines in the country pushed them, mm-hmm. asserted their dominance, broke their will, and won the game. Can Oregon stop that? I think that's the key. And there's really, in my opinion, no other no other shot here better than Dan Lanning because like he just has that much knowledge of Kirby Smart's offense. Not saying that, you know, and look, Venables isn't a, a damn good defensive coordinator. And, and Juan is exactly right. You give him that much time. We saw the problems. We saw our offense struggle. A lot of people thought this game was going to be high scoring. We all, me included, I thought it was going to be at least some scoring. Didn't realize a pick six was going to be the game winner. <laughs> so when when you have when you have both offenses in that game completely shut down, that's that's the kind of chess match it is. Whether it's Bo Nix, whether it's whoever, and whether it's Stetson, whether it's Carson, Brock, whoever. You got to limit the turnovers, and you got to ride the you got to ride the wave because it's coming, right? I expect I expect Sewell and I expect Flo to have a good game. I, I just do. Uh, you said it in the Great trenches. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. You know, look at it this way: the trenches is going to matter, but I think the depth for for Georgia can we can we just pound it? Can we can we do that again? I, I think you I think ultimately you do see that. But it's go, It's not going to. I don't think it's going to be a traditional like just an ass whipping. You know, I, I think it'll be a lot closer. To, you know, I think it'll maybe maybe ten points, just way too early. Mm-hmm. But I, I still think that's the keys. Can Oregon? Does Oregon have the depth? Do, do they? That's. I think that's the main question. Yeah. On on that point, I think uh, it was pretty interesting to me that you know this was a. A class for Oregon and recruiting that was really tight in scholarship numbers. We were pushing up against that 85 limit already. Uh, and still, Landing prioritized getting two transfer defensive linemen 
uh, into Oregon to add depth. And now I think, you know, you look at this group, it's about six deep with guys that we feel really comfortable playing on the D line uh, on the interior there. And a few more obviously on the edge, but um, that was a big thing. We picked up a full-time starter from Washington and then we, picked up a guy who our, uh, who our defensive line coach had worked with at Nebraska before. So uh, it definitely seemed like he recognized that uh, that battle on the defensive line and having depth there was going to be important against Georgia. Absolutely. Look, I think it's going to be a good game in Atlanta. I expect Georgia to probably 80-20. Look, Georgia – Atlanta is Athens part two. Basically. We know this. <laughs> right. <one. laughs> But also, I know Oregon travels well. There's some Oregon fans in the Atlanta area, too. Just It's Metro Atlanta, right? We know this. With that being said, though, guys, look, thanks for coming on. Thanks for talking. Oregon getting you know, getting us dog fans uh, acclimated to what Oregon is about, if, you, if you're not super familiar with it. Uh, and then kind of getting a feel for, you know, how, how life with Landon is, uh, at least from the expectations and so far what, what y'all have seen. Uh, so, like I said, thanks for coming on and giving us that insight. Uh, with that being said, Reed, I'll let you go first. And Charlie, hey, where can people find you um, if they want to take a look at uh, your podcast and your work? Yeah, so you can uh, you can go to scoopduck.com is the on three site uh, for Oregon. I do a lot of recruiting stuff there. Um, Charlie does some more team stuff with football and basketball. Uh, and then uh, my Twitter is MF underscore Reed, our Podcast Twitter is at Ducks Pod, or you can search Quacked Out Podcast uh, on Apple, Spotify, all the normal ones. Uh, yeah, those are the main places you can check us out. Uh, and Charlie, you go ahead too. Yeah, I mean, same thing. Uh, shoot, I'm trying to think of bases that weren't covered. Um, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, it's a pleasure, pleasure being on with you guys. Yeah, to self, um, it's the same thing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, but, hey, look, guys, like I said, thanks again. Uh, feel free to stick around. we got a Q&A coming up. Uh, this will end the audio po- podcast portion. Uh, with that, though, guys, have a great weekend and go dogs. Thanks for listening to the DGD podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and to the DGD Podcast YouTube channel, where you can watch live Mondays and Fridays at noon Eastern. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at the DGD Podcast. And check out the website at www.dgdpodcast.com.